Thank you. Yeah, we're going to talk about giving this morning, and I just want you to know that, uh, you know, you can relax. You'll be all right. You'll make it. But what I would like the ushers to do right now is to collect all the wallets and the purses before we... Okay. Oh, lock the door, too, if you would. Yeah. Well, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to begin uh, really with a story. Um, and it's a story that uh, takes me back several decades when the fetching Mrs. O here was uh, but 19 years old. And I was, uh, and, uh, and I had just become uh, a Christian. And we were uh, in the church where we were attending at that time. I'd probably been going to church for two or three months or like that. And, uh, you know, they'd received an offering every week. And, you know, I'd, I'm sure, you know, I'm ready for the offering. You know, just bring it on and throw a dollar in or, or, uh, or $2, you know, uh, maybe. And just kind of felt feeling really good about myself, by the way, because I hadn't been doing that before, but now I'm glad to tip Jesus uh, a couple bucks because he's really uh, doing some good things in my life. Well, uh, offering time, Lori uh, whips out uh, her checkbook. We're not married yet or anything like this. And uh, I'm going, oh, a checkbook. Well, what's this all about? And... Uh, they're doing whatever they were doing at offering time, probably, you know, music was going on, and I, uh, I looked over to see, and it was just like, she wrote a check for like 35 bucks, it, which in 1977 was big money, or at least bigger than it is today, if you know what I mean. And I'm, and I was, uh, what are you doing? And she says, well, I'm, I'm giving. Yeah, but, and uh, she says, we'll talk later. And we did, and we got in the car, and she began to give me, you know, a crash course in giving, and particular, and, and used a word uh, that I hadn't heard much in my lifetime. And she says, well, I was, I was tithing off of some money that I, I received. I said, what is that? She says, well, I give, I give 10% uh, of what I get. I've, uh, and she began to kind of uh, school me a little bit, took me back to Abraham, and then took me into the law, and then took me into uh, the New Testament, actually, where they were still doing this sort of thing, even when Jesus was, was on the earth. And, uh, and it was a principle more than it was, at least from a New Testament perspective. So, uh, that was uh, that was my baptism into what I needed to begin to understand about giving, and uh, I began to investigate and and uh, came around after a while because I don't know about you, but it's just I do not have a natural inclination to give my money away. I just don't. And I don't think most people do. What I came to find out a little later on was, and it was the fact 
quite a bit later on, was something that was going on in Lori's life regarding uh, her being able to write that check. And could you put up uh, back there the Matthew uh, scripture? This will seem a little unrelated to what I'm talking about, but, but stay with me. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now the phrase, and maybe you're ahead of me already, but the phrase that I want you to look at there is where he says, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So that there is something that God has in mind for all of us. And by the way, that thing about loving your uh, neighbor, or, or pardon me, loving your enemy and praying for them, that's for free this morning. So if you, need, if you need that, go ahead and just take that right with you. But I think the broader point of this is that somehow God has in mind. He's after something in our development. And part of the way that we need to think about that is that he's looking to teach us some things that are already true about him. And if there's anything that's true about God, that is that he's a giver. He gives. And he doesn't just, you know, he's not real measured about it. I mean, when I think about God, and when I read the scriptures, I find him to be actually a lavish giver, a generous giver, a abundant, prolific, uh, unrestrained giver. He just, it, this is who he is. He, can, he can't be anything else. And so if we're going to be a son or a daughter uh, of our father, then we have to learn his ways. And so, if you're clutching your wallet or your purse uh, just now, just relax because there isn't anything about what I'm going to say here that is going to require you uh, to do anything. This is something that we simply teach here at Southlands, and then we trust that the Holy Spirit will help you to see it that way. But nobody's going to Nobody polices uh, your giving. Nobody is watching you. We don't have hidden cameras here or anything like that. In fact, we're pretty low-key about it. We don't even send ushers around. You notice that, that there's boxes there, and, you know, you're, you're free to go ahead and to, to use them. But this idea of becoming a son or daughter of the Father, that's what was going on with Lori and had already begun to take place, that she was becoming more and more like a daughter of this father uh, here in terms of her giving habits, in terms of what it means to be that way as regards her resources. And so I want you to sort of hold that thought and tension as, as we move through this. By the way, Marianne and I had absolutely no conversation about what she was going to 
teach the kids here, and I will tell you, uh, like this happens so often, is it just absolutely comes together like a hand in glove. And so I want us to take a look at uh, the Second Corinthians chapter eight uh, verse uh, passage, and then we'll go to nine as well. A few verses from there, some which have already been uh, spoken of. Now, context here, very quickly. Paul was speaking to the Corinthians about making good on a promise regarding helping the churches in Judea. There had come a famine in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, and so Paul, being who he was, uh, said, look, we got to help these guys out. They're hungry. So we're going to go to the churches where we've been and we're going to ask that you guys give to uh, help uh, bring some relief to the Judean churches. And so this is what occasions his remarks here in chapter 8, and we'll just pick it up. It says, now, brothers and sisters, you remember he's talking to Corinthians, right? Uh, for you geographers out there, we're talking about Greece, talking about that area uh, in the Mediterranean. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, Macedonia was the northern part of Greece. And Paul's saying, listen, uh, have I told you about what the guys in Macedonia are doing? Well, let me do that. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. How's that happen? Because I don't know about you, but like severe trial and se severe trial and extreme poverty doesn't usually end up at a place where overflowing joy and rich generosity happen. But he's saying this is what happened with these guys in Macedonia. The Thessalonican church, by the way, would have been a part of that. And so when you read First Thessal or Second Thessalonians, that's who he's talking to there. So anyway, he's saying, these guys have really done something. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. So without any prompting at all, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So they checked in with the Lord first regarding what, what they would give and how they would give it, and the Lord apparently prompted them to, to give generously. And so they did. And, of course, Paul's all excited about this, and he wants to tell the Corinthians about it. Now, Paul is an interesting guy. In a, his, his personality, if you ever do any, like, uh, study about just exactly the kind of guy he was, he was, uh, he was brilliant as a leader. And what he was doing here, uh, a little bit subtly, was just saying, look, guys, those guys up north, see what they did? And they, you guys got way more than they do, and they gave even more. Come on, right? In fact, you guys promised to do something. So 
you know. But he's very tactful about it, as, as you will see. But I want to talk to you about three, three words uh, regarding New Testament giving. And those three words are generous, say generous, sacrificial, say sacrificial, and cheerful, say cheerful. So generous and sacrificial and cheerful. When we think about our giving, when we think about how is it that, that I will give, not only in church, but in all sorts of opportunities that you will have to, to give to people, your time, your talents, your treasures, whatever it is, you want to be thinking about generous. And generous is not measured, by the way. <laughs> right? Because if somebody's very measured, it's like, you know, one for you and one for you. Right? And, but generous is kind of over and above. It's like, oh, wow. Right? Is it cool when somebody's really generous with you? Have you ever had anybody be that way with you? Where they just, how can you believe what they did? And especially if, like, you're in a, one of those places where you really were needing some help and somebody shows up and just does that thing and you just go, how can this be? That's a God thing. Even if that person's being generous doesn't know it's a God thing, that's a God thing. Because he did that first. He did that first. So, good, thank you, whoever that was. But generosity, generosity. And, uh, you know, he appeals in, in chapter 8. Uh, at verse 8. He says, uh, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So you see this incredible high bar when it comes to the definition of generosity uh, is. So he, the richness of what he had is, was meant to be shared with his people, right? So there was no sense of protecting. Isn't that an impulse in all of us? It's like we, you know, okay, got my stuff. We got that little 401k thing there, and then we got this little investment over here, and we got, and like that, we just give, need to protect that thing. Don't let too many people know that we have that because all that. Now, I'm not saying to be uh, foolish. So I'm not making a case to be foolish because some, you just have to be wise about things. But all I'm saying is this, the riches that Jesus had were lavishly and extravagantly given to all of us. He says, well, what do you mean, Mike? What do you mean by that? Well, he gave the Holy Spirit he gave gifts. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He gave a widow 
son back to her. He gave a couple of sisters their brother back to them. He gave a 12-year-old daughter back to mom and dad. He was just giving. He was giving health to the infirmed. He was given mercy to a woman caught in adultery. He gave a demon-possessed man back his right mind with a guy that just had no hope at all. And on and on you can go if you read the gospel narrative of Jesus. Uh, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, said Jesus. So Jesus just being who the Father was, just giving and giving and giving. Hungry people, right? Come on out, listen to me talk. You guys are hungry? You didn't bring anything? Okay. And so I'll just give you lunch. It's on me. So in the micro, these little instances of things that he did, everything from a lunch to raising dead people, he, he, this generosity that uh, was modeled for him, from him, I think we're supposed to pay attention to that. And to be uh, kind of aspiring always to generosity and not to withholding. Withholding is natural. Withholding is uh, just that it's, it's our natural impulse. I got mine. You go get yours. Jesus has this other thing going on where he just, he wants to give. And he's not, you know, checking your IRS uh, uh, papers from last year. Well, let's see how much you made and all that. He's just, what do you need? I think I can get it to you. So let me just keep going here. Let's talk about sacrificially to give sacrificially, beyond their ability, right? I don't know if you've ever uh, traveled out into those waters or not, but they're a little scary. And this isn't the sort of thing that you do the first two weeks you become a Christian. And just for any of you that still have your guards up here a little bit, I am not, uh, this, is not <laughs> this is not a prosperity teaching, uh, you know, lane that I'm going down here at all. But I'm saying this that sacrificial giving is New Testament giving. It just is. And so there will be times, if you're around long enough, when the opportunities for sacrificial giving uh, will come up. It could be, again, in the micro, maybe you hear that somebody in church is having a way tougher time than you are. And you've got some resources that you could help them with. And the Holy Spirit speaks something into you about, go ahead and just give that. Well, I had plans for that $50 bill. Well, let's, uh, let's put those plans on hold right now and just go give that to them because they need it worse than you do right now. And I'll take care of you meanwhile, says the Lord. <laughs> so uh, 
those kinds of situations have happened to us over and over. And we've been on both sides, by the, by the way. We've been on the sides where we've been needy, and out of nowhere, someone comes and just somehow they know. In fact, this happened to us uh, from someone here uh, at the church. This happened to us just a few weeks ago. Just, and it's like, how did they know? How did they know? But somehow they knew. And uh, just totally unexpected. And it was so awesome because we understood that while we love those folks and it was so good of them to listen to the Lord, we knew where it came from. We know who told them to do that for us. And we, uh, we received a great blessing. But So in the micro, you got that. But sometimes there's like catastrophes that happen where it's a bigger issue. Maybe it's the sending of uh, someone to the mission field. And there's a sacrificial giving that is required. Maybe it's a church plant. Maybe it's, you know, it could be a lot of different things where the Lord will say, just go ahead and, you know, I know, you know, you got that big tip driving lift this week, Mike, and you were, you know, thinking about where that was going. Well, I've got some, some other plans for that. By the way, I've never gotten a tip that big to where... But I'm a man that lives in expectancy. And so, uh, <laughs> so at, at any rate, there are those opportunities. And, you know, and clearly in the scriptures, remember the story, and I'm not going to recount. Uh, I'll tell you, they're, they're women, both of them. The woman with the alabaster box who shows up and anoints Jesus, and nobody really knows even what she's doing, and she wasn't even invited to the, to the dinner party, but she just starts doing this and empties uh, a jar of nard, which was worth a year's uh, salary, and just pours it on him, and Jesus is going, wow, wow, lady, wow. You're just going to do this for me? And everybody, you know, Judas and all the rest of them are going, oh, my gosh, the, the things we could have done for the poor, and look at you just pouring that right down the drain. And Jesus says in the nicest way that he could possibly say, shut up. She's done a beautiful thing here. If you can't recognize it, I'm sorry. He tells them. And then the, one day he's in the temple, and there's this little old lady, you know, a little shawl over her, little cane, and she's coming in, and, and she takes everything that she has from her little purse, and she puts it in. And Jesus looks around, and he says, guys, guys, come here, come here, come here, look at this, look at this, look at this. Meanwhile, the Pharisees and everybody else are just kind of waltzing in with their offering, waving it around and placing it in there. And Jesus makes the comparison. He said, she gave more. She gave more. Take note, my apostles. Chapter 9. If you can put the chapter 9, uh, and we'll put up. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously 
will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, right? So Marianne did such a great job. Little bit of seed, little bit of crop. No seed, no crop. Bunch of seed, whoop-dee-doo. All kinds of, uh, of a harvest there to deal with. And so this is, this is Paul saying something that every Jew would have understood, and probably Greeks as well. That's who he's speaking to here. And he's saying, look, it just makes sense. This is how God will treat you as well as you decide to be a cheerful giver and also a kind of regular giver. Because do you see where it says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Inside of that scripture there is a little principle that I would call the principle of reciprocity or a principle, here's another $25 word of, I don't know, this is a word that if you don't say it right, you'll spit on somebody. Uh, perpetuity or perpetualness, if we, right? So he says, if you will, if you'll be the person who sows generously then I'll keep supplying seed to you and it will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And a little further down, uh, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Wouldn't that be great to be able to be generous on every occasion? How do you, how do you set the thing up so that you can be? Well, you sow generously. And you do it gladly. Now, I understand, if you're not a giver, the first few times are a little tough. Get, put that check in your hand or the money or whatever, and it's just like you got, you know, I don't know, flypaper or something. You know, it's just hard to let that thing go. Lori somehow had figured that out as I looked over to that check in 1977 and said, what are you doing? Have you gone out of your mind? Is this a cult that you've brought me into here where they require, am I going to have to do this? Right? And she said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Here's, here's, here's what the scriptures say, and here's, what, and by the way, I'm not doing a, a teaching on, on the tithe here. That's a whole thing unto itself, and I'd be glad to talk to you, or I know Kelly would, or, or Jeff, or maybe we'll do that sometime this year because it's it's worth understanding but if you want to I'll just give you this one free if you want to know where generosity really starts at least from a biblical perspective it starts at the 10 percent because they were required by the law to give and so you say well what what's really generous I mean how can what if, what if generous for me is 7% or 5%? Well, you've got to start where you've got to start. 
But I think if we're looking and being really honest with the scriptures, that's where you want to start, right there. And, and then you can go wherever you want to go after that, and you will be blessed. Now, I want to tell you one more thing about this. I have not been a particularly great money handler over the course of my life. I married a woman that is so good with all of that. I'm not. You know how in marriages there's usually one that's a spender and one that's a saver? Guess which one I am. So, my bacon has been saved time and time again because of what I've just told you right here. I'm not making the case for being reckless at all, and I'm better than I used to be in that regard. But I will tell you that if, if you sort of suffered from that same little malady that I described there, if you want my advice, I'd say start with the tithe. Just start. And you will watch how God supplies seed to the sower so that you can be generous on every occasion. And it would happen. It would happen for us. Okay, Ed McMahon did not show up at my door with a $3 million check. And if you don't know who Ed McMahon is, that'll just tell you how old I am. But some of you do. And, they, and he was the guy that used to show up with the publishers. See, some of you, Clearinghouse, right? Uh, so I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about always somehow having enough. And often more than enough so that then we could give. Even when I make plans, you know, you get that little bonus. How many know what I'm talking about? You get a little, a little money from where'd that come from? Ooh, what are we going to do with that? And then the next day, there's a need. There's somebody that God brings to, to you. And you have it there to give. And we can do that with each other, can't we? Take care, take care of this place. Take care of our families. But then also be generous in some of the larger issues where we might be sacrificial in our giving. Generous, sacrificial, and cheerful. That's how God calls us to think about giving, and that's how God calls us to act in our giving as we begin a new year think on these things amen